0: welcome welcome everyone here we go welcome to this episode of let's rejoice together hi everyone i am your host jennifer grove and i am so grateful that you're joining us to listen and to learn and before i introduce today's very special guest i want to remind everyone that if you're listening for the first time please try to catch our episode one our rejoice trailer it's a super quick overview of what's in store on this journey together including the business of sustainable shopping, the impact our choices make on the environment, and our solutions to mitigate environmental impact. It's how we rejoice together. Because today and every day on this podcast, we're basically on a mission to capture hearts, change minds, and launch you into action. So I've invited very special guests, who I hope will educate and inspire you with their journey and their insights to join our community where you'll feel like you are part of something bigger, a place where you know your actions and small steps are going to contribute to a more planet positive difference. A lot of our topics will have to do specifically with shopping because we are all consumers living on this planet. So my mission with the Rejoice Marketplace is to connect eco-conscious shoppers and brands all in one place. And our podcast shines a light on some of the brands and services available in our soon-to-launch marketplace, but also brings to the forefront thought leaders, tastemakers, makers, and all of the experts in the world of science, climate change, technology, supply chain, manufacturing, textiles, across this broad range of industries, from beauty to food to fashion. And today we are talking fashion, major fashion, but specifically in terms of how we care for our clothes. So everyone has items in their closet, and you know you do, that you have had for years. And it's because they're precious and you have taken exceptional care for them so that they last a lifetime. And I'm personally thinking back, I have a beautiful black cashmere turtleneck that I bought probably 20-something years ago from my first store, my first business, that I will never have to replace. I wear it multiple times a year. And if you took a Zoom or a Google Meet with me last winter, I guarantee you saw it in the rotation. It is precious, and I plan to have it for another 20 years. There's absolutely no reason for me to buy another one. But when you think of caring for your clothes so they last for 40 years, how much emphasis do you put into that question? What What's the impact on the environment. Are you someone who launders your clothes at home? Do you hand wash? Do you use a washing machine? Or do you send everything to a dry cleaner? Which, by the way, we all know is a misnomer. The process actually involves processing clothes in a solvent of some sort, a liquid solvent to remove soil and stains. So if you're using a washing machine, are you consciously thinking about the volume of water used with every cycle? the type of detergent you're using and where where does that water go after it's been rinsed through. So the amount of energy required to power every dryer cycle. Or if you're now working in a professional setting when you've returned to the office after these two years of COVID and you're more likely to wear a suit or maybe you're still working remotely and the top half of you has to have <laughs> a suit or a pressed shirt for your Zoom meetings. Maybe you're a high school student and you're buying your first formal homecoming or prom dress and you need a special occasion dress. How are you going to care for all of this? So think of all the occasions that you have in your lifetime to care for all of your apparel every day, every event, every life milestone, and the occasions that your choices make, the impact that it has on the environment. And you're not the only person making this one choice. It's each of us in our community, our schools, our offices, our teams, our towns, our states, it's bigger than just one person. So this is what got me thinking, which is more eco-responsible and and why? I, I have all these questions. What's the difference between wet cleaning, green cleaning, liquid carbon dioxide cleaning? And what about all the plastic, the paper covers that go over the metal hangers? And what about all of those hangers? How much of this is impacting the environment? I have questions. I know you have questions, and the professional I know who has all the answers is here to tell us everything. So I was first introduced to Chris White of America's Best Cleaners because he's a member of the Green Business Bureau, one of our eco-credential partners. And if you listen to one of our first podcast interviews with the Green Business Bureau, you've already been introduced to Tom Permateo, and that's in episode two. Tom introduced me to Chris last year, and he said, you have to meet this man. And when Chris shares his knowledge today and all of his insights, I'm sure you're going to find him as fascinating as I do, and I hope it inspires you to think about how you care for the clothes that you are wearing today. So first things first, welcome, Chris. I am so thrilled that you're joining us on the podcast today.
1: I'm so happy to be here with you. Thank you for having me
0: absolutely can you give everyone the high level what is america's best cleaners overview
1: so and in the very simple answer is america's best cleaners first and foremost is a quality certification mark that goes out and finds independent small businesses that cater to the high luxury markets and high fashion um, clients and or purveyors of those those garments in each metropolitan market in the United States.
0: Amazing. And then drill down a little bit more. What does that mean on the local level?
1: So on the local level, that means for any of your listeners that love to buy really high quality fashions, whether they're new off the rack, custom designed for them, um, or vintage pieces that maybe they found somewhere that they want to have restored, but if you find uh, an affiliate that is certified by America's Best Cleaners, you can rest assured that they have the aptitude within the company to know what that garment is worth, its construction, its value, not in the, the sense of its market value, but also how endearing it typically is to most people, especially when we talk about ceremonial or uh, event-type garments like bridal or christening gowns and things like that. So. It's a really, um, I guess the, the watered down analogy is you don't take a Mallbox to the Jiffy Loop. You take, it, <laughs> you take it to someone who's really certified to work on Mallbox. And that's what our affiliates are.
0: And, and how can people, like, why wouldn't I just walk down the street and go to my local dry cleaner?
1: Um, you may find them to be someone that could satisfy your needs, but I can tell you that when it comes to dealing with couture level, high fashion, or even custom-made clothes, um, there is a distinct uh, approach that you must be able to take to handling those garments because um, it's not just about a machine or a technology. It is really about a knowledge base of what goes into making that garment and then the proper way to care for it, mold it, shape it, and maintain its integrity. Um, And that's not something that's trained at trade associations. That's something that we spend a lot of years Working with people in the fashion industry, both here in the United States and in our curated trips to Europe, where we go to Brioni and learn from Brioni, or we go to Loro Piana and learn at Loro Piana's mills in Italy about the finest cashmeres and the finest details to construction, so that we can then apply what we learn from those artisans there in your local marketplace. And that is a very unique skill set that is not found at the regular cleaners.
0: And I think that's so fascinating. And is that how? What is some of the the vetting that you have to employ in your association?
1: Um, so initially, uh, there are some criteria that are very transparent and published on our website. Um, they have to do at least a million dollars. They have to have alteration services. They have to be able to um, service the entire market through pickup and delivery. Be- Uh, there's a whole slew of other things that we do when we actually go through the certification. Um, And the certification is, is an annual certification. So we send either myself or one of my uh, technician teams goes out every year and spends an entire day just doing an assessment. And we have 600 some quality points that we're looking at from the experience at the front counter Um, to how the technology is used in the environment in in which the garments are processed, how the employees are trained and developed, and all the systems that go in supporting that. Um, We do mystery shopping on them randomly throughout the year, both within their retail locations and their route and pickup delivery services. In the last couple of years, we've been really sensitive to measuring their online reviews. And we're happy to say that across our entire affiliation, we average 4.7 stars on Google or above. So that's pretty good. Um, and then we have a whole a series of educational webinars and um, biannual meetings where we get together for several days at different facilities or at a learning opportunity like visiting um, a, a, the mills in Italy or visiting um, Hermes' headquarters in France and learn together about the, the intricacies of the designs, both within the new trends that are coming out within the styles and fashions, but also the legacy and the history that goes into those items and why they require and warrant special attention. Not that they're not durable, it's just that there's a lot of expertise and a lot of unique, one-of-a-kind things that go into making some of these creations that um, you can't just put it into one simple process or formula. You have to build the knowledge base. So that's um, that's the the basics of it, and uh, it's it's a very human based methodology because the human factor and the knowledge factor is so intricate in what we do, um, because every creation that comes across our counter is unique; it's its own challenge. So, like I said earlier, it's not something that we could just say, "Do this process," because it's a widget. Um, right it's it's
0: very in uh, customizable per garment per um, textile I would imagine yeah,
1: for sure and there's degrees don't get me wrong obviously, cotton shirts are cotton shirts but there's degrees within the cotton shirts right seafoam cottons are much different than your regular uh fluorocarbon resin waterproofed and uh wrinkle proof cottons that you buy for you know 49.99 at kirkland or costco you know we're talking about custom-made shirts that are eight nine hundred dollars there's a big difference in how that should be handled not just in regard, regards to the quality of the garment but what does that mean to that person and the longevity and for us also, the sustainability of that garment.
0: Yes. And that's what I want to hear a little bit more about. Can you make that connection for our listeners between the sustainability of the garment and why it's important to make that um, consideration in, in the care for the garment?
1: Well, it, there's a lot to unload on that. And I'll just start with by <laughs> um, one is is this, is if you go back in history and look at the the cycle of everything that we have right now, almost everything in the last 20 years has been in this throwaway mentality, this throwaway mindset, whether it's your toaster, your microwave, you, you get it, it goes bad, you throw it out, you buy something new. And if you talk to people from a different generation, the greatest generation or before, things were repairable, right? And so they sustained. We didn't just consume things for the sake of consuming them because something was flashy and new. And fashion is very much like that too. We've seen the fast fashion movement come in and everything's very trend based and poorly made and made of some very um, uh, detrimental fibers and fabrics or processes to get them there. The rayons that they come in, they're done, they're processed and we throw away. And then they just become massive issues in our landfills, high fashion, quality fashion, custom fashion, is timeless. And when you have something that's timeless and durable and well-built, it has the ability to be maintained, repaired, modified. And that's where our niche is, is we work within that space, whether it be um, an off-the-rack Armani piece to a customized um, shirt by Adrian Jules out a Roche- or a suit from Adrian Jules in Rochester, New York, where it could be made of the finest wools from Italy or um, um, England, and you know, costing seven to eight thousand dollars, custom made for that person or woman who's going to wear it that makes them feel great. And the design and style is not something that goes away in two years. They've invested in that, it's an investment. And there was a great article I would suggest that everyone read that came out in the uh, the Economist not too long ago about about the asset class of fashion. And there is a movement going on right now of people going back to looking at their fashion as an asset, an investable long term asset, which I think is awesome. And it's in something that we've been preaching for years with our friends at the Custom Tailor and Design Association, with our friends in high fashion in Europe and here in the United States, is you know getting back to dressing well looking well buying clothes that are not trend based they stay in your closet they're not in the landfill they're not being mass produced and being wasted and and you know from your research um Jennifer like the circular fashion movement has come around because there's been so much waste in the fashion industry and that's something that we've been hyper aware of but we've also been practicing it all along. It's just now people are coming back. It's like this fad coming back where, hey, durable goods, things that are an asset class, better clothes made well that last a long time. Sounds like a new idea. It's not, but it's great that people are coming back to it. And it is so sustainable because the most sustainable natural fiber on this planet is wool.
0: I I love you're proving my point. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Chris.
1: <laughs> you're welcome. I mean, we, you, we, we speak the same language in different voices and different angles. That's all it is.
0: Uh, absolutely. And, and now we are, we are going to, and that's what makes this podcast so much fun because now we're, we're going to get to the heart of the matter and we're yeah. going to do it in a, a 20 questions, like short form answer. Okay. Um, so I'm good. You know, some of this is like fact-finding mission um, and some of it is more fun, but it's really, it's a chance to get to the heart and soul, the ethos, if you will, of America's best cleaners. Some of it is, I want to know more about Chris White. Uh, are you ready? Bring it. Okay, let's do it. But let's, let's start with the, the basics, the top line. What is America's best cleaners sustainability mission statement?
1: So since the year 2000, our sustainability mission statement published within our affiliate um, manual handbook and pub uh, online is that, um, uh, that us as an organization, our affiliates constantly subscribe to responsible cleaning practices while also seeking the best in new product innovations to better support our primary goal of delivering the best quality products and service to our clients whilst being responsible stewards of the environment.
0: Love it. How would you describe America's Best Cleaner's most popular or maybe it's the most effective strategy in creating sustainable change? What do you think resonates the most trying to create that type of change within an industry most customers probably don't view as sustainable when it comes to dry cleaning?
1: Yeah, For, for us and what we do, it's human development. It's education, it's understanding and awareness Awareness for all the people that are stakeholders within our sphere, which are our owners and their managers and the people on the front line that are doing the work, the route delivery driver, not idling all day long to the operator who's cleaning a dry cleaning machine or doing maintenance on a machine, making sure that they're being efficient users of energy. Um, The more that we educate all of those stakeholders and those people about their impact on the environment. You could take away everything else. That is the number one thing because they all make micro decisions every day that make a macro change.
0: Yes. Th- again, thank you, Chris.
1: <laughs> okay. We didn't practice this either, so let's just. I know,
0: I know, but you're driving home every point that I I want people to I want people to absorb this. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Tell me what, what challenge or problem did you set out to solve when you joined America's best cleaners after, and and I know your background, you, you came from Madame Paulette in New York. So what, what, what was that new challenge that when you joined America's best that you set out to solve?
1: Well, the first thing was, is from, like you said, my experience being at Madame Paulette is we were recognized around the world. We're the only dry cleaner uh, recognized by the Rob Report as the best in the world. And when that happened, that triggered masses amounts of fashions coming into us from all over the world. And don't get me wrong, we loved it, but we were shipping and having things flown in. Um, when I finally was departing that business, One of the opportunities that we found in which I would get called on a lot was who in my local area can do like Madame Paulette. And I would be really hesitant about being able to refer someone. So the certification really solved the first problem was, hey, let's find who the best operators are in these local markets so that there's someone independent and locally that can handle these for people. So they're not spending all this money to ship it all over the world or to us. Uh, it can be done locally, which then turns into a an, a very organic and natural sustainability impact, right? Because now we're not shipping things around. They can be just picked up locally. We're spending dollars in the local economy where it has more value and bang and not into just one central facility. So organically uh, and naturally, first, the, the mission was to find those quality operators to meet that need in the fashion industry. The secondary byproduct was, is that it became a real big driver for local sustainability of businesses, both in the environmental aspect and in the longevity and um, diversification of their, their business.
0: Love it. How Okay, so have you achieved success or how will you know when you've solved that problem and how do you define that success?
1: Um, so, So I think we're chipping away more and more on the quality certification aspect of it because, again as much as we love to think that luxury people want to spend luxury dollars on services, they still all like a deal. So they always would look towards someone locally because, you know, doing the artisan work that we do is not always the best um, price, if not for the price conscious. Um, But I would say in the aspect of our overall reducing our footprint on the environment, um, we really take pride in the fact that um, our affiliates have been, on the cutting edge of most of the technologies that's been introduced in the industry, which has allowed us to lower our use of single-use plastic. Um, a lot of our affiliates moved away from um, certain types of wire hangers, coated wire hangers, where a lot of a lot of them that use either wooden hangers or plastic hangers that are easy to recycle now. So um, they're not just wire hangers with paper, um, folding up and getting all tangled in your closet and <laughs> you take them out in <laughs> yes. your landfill. Um, and these are big things, right? We moved yes. into technology that we've re- drastically reduced the use of paper. Um, um, and then now when the advent which we were already on before and COVID really accelerated, this is removing the retail stores um, in some local areas and really pushing people towards our p- pickup and delivery services with the new technology now is um, before dry cleaners would go and they'd have a stagnant paper manifest of 50 stops that they would go to. And they would go to every single 50 stops, whether there was a garment or not. Now we use technology to alleviate that. And we only go now and drive to where there's work to be either delivered or picked up because of text and routing and mapping technology. So we've reduced our use of fuel. And I'm proud that a lot of our affiliates have adopted so many alternative energy uses, whether it's solar, solar, Um, changed their entire production facilities to LED lighting, um, worked in co-partnership with their local governments or or their utilities to upgrade their steam generation and hot water systems. So, I mean, there's a long list. And um, the GBB, our our goals with the Green Business Bureau have obviously helped them and helped them recognize that. So that's been really good. So, uh, you know, it's hard to measure when you have so many different independent businesses around the the, uh, country to say, here's exactly what it is. But man, we, I know we're making an impact because I can see it with the, the, the reduction of consumables that we've used over the last 10 to 15 years has drastically dropped.
0: Well, and and we're not even
1: talking about the solvents and things like that yet.
0: I, well, I was just going to say, you haven't even dipped your toe in that water yet. And I'm so curious what, um, what would you or what would the association consider a, a real relevant? defining stat or a sustainability measurement that you want everyone to know about?
1: Um, I think the easy one that's publicized the biggest and most in on whether it's the blogosphere or local public media or whatever is out there, wherever you're getting your source for news is, we do not have a single affiliate that has used Perk for at mm. least seven or eight years. So Perk has been removed from all of our affiliates.
0: Can, can you um, explain to everyone what Perk is?
1: So Perk is Tetra Perk Cloeth, Chlorethylene, which was at one time considered the environmentally safe, responsible solvent of choice back in the '50s, '60s, and '70s, and it is now recognized by the EPA as a possible carcinogen, and there's it's also listed as a hazardous waste material. So there's a lot of um, of government and regulations that were put in place around that. Um, we're really proud that m- most, if not all, of our affiliates got rid of PERC well before the regulations came in. Um, and we've been really big in leading the charge, both in what you touched on earlier. Our affiliates early on uh, were the first to adopt uh, a large use of liquefied CO2 cleaning. Um, we've been one of the leaders of, of, of working with MuLA and Kreuzer Chemical, the founders of Modern Wet Cleaning in deploying wet cleaning systems across our country for over 20 years. Um, and then now with the advent of some of these new alternative solvents, um, we were very fortunate to be the first testing um, group, and then the first to deploy the first and only bio-based solvent in the entire industry um, that comes from a company called Chrysler Chemical, called System K4, and that is a byproduct of the whiskey and uh, liquor industry. So it's pretty interesting how we have repurposed um, from another thing, it, uh, from another industry, to make a really bio-based. And it's by the way, it's certified by the USDA as the only bio-based cleaning solvent in. Um, in in existence so Uh we're really fortunate doing that and the beauty of it all because the number one mission is is it cleans wonderful it's very safe for the operators it's very safe uh, for the health of anyone who has the textiles and it's very safe for the environment because they're bio-based they're not even considered as hazardous waste
0: amazing so fascinating chris yeah Next, tell us what is a corporate social responsibility tenant that you believe sets America's best cleaners apart? What what can our community feel really good about knowing that's behind the dry cleaners in the association, that there are teams of people working hard in the local dry cleaners? What takes place behind the counter that we might not otherwise know?
1: So it's kind of like a, I like the, liken this to the Apple method. It just works, right? The least <laughs> amount of impact you have on the front user to know that there is something going on, but, but there is something going on is right. the key. So you should rest assured that if, you're, if a, an affiliate has the America's Best Cleaners decal on their door, in conjunction with the Green Business Bureau decal, um, those certifications are alive and breathing. They're not static. We refresh and review them every year. So on the quality certification side, we work with our partners in in the fashion industry to know what's going on. What are the new trends in fashion? I just received a bunch of brand new wool swatches from Dorme, which is one of the top wool companies in the world, um, and uh, some cotton swatches from Mel Gambert custom shirts just to see what's on the cutting edge of new nanotechnologies and wool materials so that we can test them and see how we need to incorporate those into the certification and making sure our affiliates are aware of how to handle these new trends. And then again, with Tom and the team at GBB, the the world of sustainability and green and technologies is changing rapidly. So in our consulting wing, we do a lot of production plant designs and development, and we really incorporate a lot of of things that are built into LEED certified buildings now more than we ever have. So that's a lot of stuff that people would never even know, and hopefully they never even have to worry about it (laughs) other than knowing that a Green Business Bureau certification and an ABC certification brand gives them the peace of mind to know that one, their garments are gonna be absolutely well taken care of, like going to the most elite spa that they can go to, and every decision and every practice that's in there is safe for you and your neighbors and the environment.
0: Excellent. And that is one of the reasons that I love talking to you and to Tom. We want to make sure that we put that type of information at the fingertips of the entire Rejoice community. Okay. So now tell me, and you know, I'm going to come back and interview you again. What, yep. <laughs> what are your official sustainability goals for the future? If I if I have to come back and interview you for an update, what are you going to tell me you've accomplished? Um,
1: for, for us at ABC, it's pretty easy because we are we've moved so virtual now that I don't even have office space anymore. We stopped renting that. So we don't have to heat that and play with that. And it's interesting, like I've maxed out the GBB certification for us at GBB <laughs> corporate. We're platinum and there's nothing left for me to do. Uh, and I've actually even conscientiously now done a lot with reducing my air travel. And it was partially from COVID, but also partially from just being smart about the fact that your viewers may not know that I moved, con- uh, uh, purposely moved to Anchorage, Alaska from New York city almost 12 years ago. And I live at the, live in the front lines of, of climate change. So I see the effects of it and I, am an outdoorsman. And so, I'm conscious of the fact that I have to fly a couple thousand miles just to commute. So we're doing much more with um, doing, I do a lot of tours, so I'll do a, a, a whole Southwest tour and, you know, it's a long and it's, it's tough on me, but it's important. It reduces cost, and it's a good business decision, but it also, it meets our sustainability goals. But as an aggregate for all of our affiliates, we are constantly deploying new technologies to reduce our single use poly. Um, we're reducing our, our energy consumption. Uh, your viewers or listeners may not know that, you know, w- creating hot water and creating steam is important for what we do, but it's also energy intensive. So working with our partners, we're putting in the latest energy efficient uh, equipment in that regard. Um, we are constantly lurking, lurking at reducing our footprint through packaging because what we found is as much as I touched on earlier, people know the catchphrase perk and dry cleaners about using solvents. Um, what we've discovered is that packaging and u- use of utilities has a greater impact on the overall um, our overall footprint on the environment, and and is a major um, opportunity for us to reduce our consumption, but also build more sustainable businesses, not just in the environmental front, but in the long term. So Absolutely. that's yeah. where that's where I would probably. Pin put a pin in for us.
0: <laughs> Love it. Okay. Give me one good reason why. why. Why should my 18-year-old daughter care about dry cleaning as an option for garment care?
1: Because um, I know if she's an 18-year-old daughter, she loves fashion. She's into trends. She wants to look good for her friends. And the more that she understands that if she buys things um, that are timeless and has a partner like an affiliate of ours to help her maintain that wardrobe. um, She will drastically reduce her impact on the world, but also know that our dry cleaners in ABC are independent small business owners. They're your neighbors. They're probably part, there's probably in your PTA. Their kids are probably, you know, socializing with your kids. They're sponsoring your local sports and athletic teams or some other cause locally so they're integrated in your community and they really um share a lot of the community values that you have and and that's something that really for the future generations really need to be cherished you know yeah we love brands and yes we love um some of the franchises that are out there but realize and understand that the backbone of this country and the backbone of your community is independent small businesses, and we're a really integral part of that community. We're large employers too. We employ a lot of people, um, both in our back of our production and our pickup and delivery services in our retail space, uh, more so than most restaurants. So um, we're we're just a really good part of your community. And if you want that community to continue, support us.
0: Well, well said. I love that what's the best thing about being a business leader of a national organization like ABC that might surprise our community?
1: Um, I think it's kind of, I'll reference this back to being like the notion that people think like, oh, being an independent business uh, owner, um, you have all this freedom to do lots of things. And yeah, it is true. I do have the freedom to control my, my schedule and all that. But um, it's definitely not a 40-hour day job. It's, <laughs> it's a 60 to 80 hour the day grind. Um, sometimes, sometimes it's not. But I will tell you, I would not give up one second of it because I love being with my affiliates. I love the excitement and the challenge that it brings. I love all the people that I work with at all degrees and within the businesses I work with. Um, so um, I would say it's not always all fun and games. But if you really love it, it doesn't feel like anything but a great, awesome day.
0: And and I love speaking with you because I I always feel the passion in your voice. So I know that is so true and so authentic to who you are. And I know you're out to solve these challenges. So my next question is, what what do you feel is the most challenging hurdle you think ABC faces in achieving eco-responsibility goals that something a consumer, one of your affiliates, consumers might not actually realize is a really hard task for a local dry cleaner to achieve.
1: So surprisingly, and this is unfortunate to say this, but um, the biggest roadblock that we have, our affiliates have, is their local government. I have to tell you, it's frustrating because depending on the state or the local locality that you're at, um, for example, in um, Northern California, we can get a lot of things done. I have affiliates that have just gone full solar, electric everywhere. They've gotten funding. It's frictionless to get them to that point. And then I have affiliates that are in Florida that the government is against them putting solar. The public utilities is against them putting solar. Um, they don't want electric down there. And this is one of the sunniest places in the world. It's the most profound and abs- craziest thing I've ever dealt with. So I would say, is if you really care about the environment, and, and it goes back to the saying that all politics is local, is make your wishes known to your local state um, and government you know, permitting boards, you know, funding uh, opportunities, private and public um, 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 development groups about how important you know, all businesses are to get to the sustainable place or a green space and get the funding available for them to do these things. Um, and it, that's, I will be, it's unfortunate to say that, but that has been some of the biggest roadblocks. I deal with it all the time. There's great federal programs like the pace program out there that will help you fund, um, to get solar and replace the roof and and get you the state of the art roof on an insulated roof on your building and a whole series of solar panels. But there's local states and municipalities that don't offer that or don't want that and will not let it. And a lot of it, unfortunately, is controlled by the utilities. So most people don't know that. They think, oh, it's great. Our government, I hear uh, President Biden talking about these initiatives, build back better. And it's true. This funding comes down, but then it stops in a lot of places. So if you're in any of these areas, get pay attention to what's going on in your local politics and talk to your local small business community and ask them why they can't get it. Um, you'll find out that they're in some areas, their best partners are the local government and others, their enemies are the local government. And it's pretty unfortunate to say that.
0: No, but I, I hope that inspires people to look a little deeper and take a closer look at how they can work with government to make that type of change. Thank you for sharing that. Yep. Okay, now, now it's time for the more personal fact-finding questions about Chris's commitment to sustainability. So you referenced earlier, um, just for everyone listening, Chris lives in Alaska. So Chris, what did you have for breakfast today in Alaska? And, and can you tell us where it was
1: sourced from? Um, I have coffee every day for breakfast. I'm not <laughs> a big, so, and I could tell you that my coffee is probably sourced from either Columbia or Italy or, or Columbia, or I couldn't even tell you really my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: gonna but start it's good coffee. And,
1: and by the way, in Alaska, we like really strong coffee. Like Starbucks isn't strong enough for most of <laughs> So, uh, and we're now with spring equinox. We're starting to enjoy a lot of sunshine, so I'm not drinking as much coffee as I was. If that makes, any I'm going to start
0: tracking every guest's carbon footprint with their coffee because yeah. I'm just going to start a, a map because that is every single person's answer, and I'm going to track the carbon footprint.
1: <laughs> okay, what? feels like us going so.
0: Right. What's the last item you composted, recycled, upcycled, donated, or
1: repurposed? Okay. So I'm big with clothes. So um, one of the changes that uh, my wife and I consciously made when we moved from New York um, is we wanted to live a smaller impact, minimalist lifestyle. So I don't have a big closet. Um, So I do buy better clothes that last me a lot longer. But when I do um, have clothes that I'm going to give away or whatever, I'm always looking to either put them into a veterans program for them to be repurposed. And we have a lot of those up here in Alaska or um I have a lot of nicer clothes um that just for some reason when you wear custom they don't fit after a while um, <laughs> you uh you put them in the dress for success so and, and I'm a big advocate of trying to empower people if you haven't kind of already picked up on that so any way that I can do that so those are the things that I've upcycled um love it. yeah
0: love that okay what is the oldest piece of clothing or accessory in your closet that you still get maximum use
1: out of? Okay, well, I got to give a shout out to Mel Gambert Custom Shirts. My friend Mitch (laughs) and his dad Mel make the best shirts in the world. They're in New Jersey. Um, I have a shirt. I have to go look at it. It's probably more than 10 years old that we styled together. It was one of my first ever custom shirts. I love this thing. I beat it to death. I can wear it with a sport coat. I can wear it with jeans. Um, And it's been washed and cleaned probably a couple hundred times, and it still looks almost new.
0: Okay. And that, I love the story behind that. That is precious. That is priceless. That is sustainable. Thank you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, is- a shirt, most shirts don't last longer than two years. So I got to give a lot of credit to, no. to one, the, um, the Gambert family and the quality of their construction. It's just amazing.
0: That's beautiful. What is your most treasured possession? Something you purchased once and have no reason to ever replace or throw out in addition to this shirt, obviously. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But something that was totally worth it to you because it brings you so
1: much joy. Oh, there's no question. When I read that, my first five-weight fly rod. So um, <laughs> it's a Lefty Cray um, TPO fly rod. It was their first series. And for those of you who may not know, Lefty Cray is a legend in the fly fishing industry. Uh, it was my first fly rod that I learned how to fly fish on. Um, I still pull it out every now and again because it's just like, it's like, I don't even know. It's like putting on a the warmest wool jacket you know, old glove, the best hat when I'm fishing. Um, I'm in my Zen place and that rod takes me back to memories. I can't even, I mean, it chokes me up to even think about it.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. And I, I know we have listeners who love fly fishing, so you have to send pictures of that. Okay. (laughs) What is a, a, a beauty, a personal care, health or food product you subscribe to every month and get delivered to your doorstep that you cannot live without.
1: Okay. So I got turned on to this. Um, soap maker about five, four or five years ago, she used to be in San Francisco, but now she's in Vermont. It's called Stash Soapery. I love it. It's all organic. It's all natural. It is the best soap I've ever used in my entire life. Every single bar I get from her is amazing. Um, They make great balms uh, that are just awesome too. And they're therapeutic balms that I use for my fly fishing elbow and wrist when I'm out in the field. So Stash Soapery, do yourself a favor, check them out.
0: Fantastic. Okay. We will look into this. And I'm also, I'm asking everybody, what types of brands would you want to see on an eco-responsible shopping marketplace like Rejoice when we launch?
1: Oh man, I'm telling you, you should put Stash on there.
0: (laughs) We will send them an invitation. Jennifer, get
1: yourself a Stash.
0: Um, (laughs) She's Um, right up the road from you. (laughs) (laughs) What is one question you have for our audience that Like something, it can be silly, it can be serious, but something that keeps you up at night that we could possibly crowdsource an answer for.
1: Okay, so this is a really easy question, but I know it's gonna hit home for a lot of people. Why do you insist on using so much plastic? And specifically, why do you insist on using and consuming bottled water? It is so terrible. Our municipal water systems in the United States are amazing. In New York City, where you live, is some of the best water in the world. Where I live in Anchorage, Alaska. We're fed, glacially fed water, and they actually bottle it, and they sell it to tourists for five dollars in a plastic bottle when you can just get it in a tap. So it's one of my really irky pet peeves, and my wife worked for the Water Authority for years, and we just get in these debates about it. So uh, the consumer, question yourself, do I really need to use this plastic?
0: That is, um, yes. That question would keep me up at night as well. So, we are going to have to take a poll on that one for sure. sure. Okay. Now, for the current events part of 20 questions, Um, can you tell everyone about this recent, very credible, newsworthy article that got your attention? Something fascinating, scary, interesting that you insist everyone needs to read.
1: Okay. So, I forwarded you this article and it just came out a couple of days ago. It was a Washington Post article about, um, What is taking place with the Pacific salmon, salmon fishery going on? And being in Alaska, it's very dear and near to us. Um, And I really hope that everyone takes a moment to read this and learn about um, what is taking place with wild-caught salmon, the impacts that frankenfish or farm-raised salmon has, the nutritional value of it, but also understand that salmon are are what are considered a keystone species uh, up and down the entire, and all the coastals where they are. And not only are we dependent on it for food and sustainable lifestyle and an economic engine, but inland, um, the vegetation relies on it. Mammals rely on it. Almost every species in Alaska, British Columbia, uh, or any other area, Scotland, Russia, where you have salmon, um, they impact so much in our world and the fact that we are seeing these salmon species getting decimated is a frightening and alarming thing Um, and most people don't pay attention to it because it's not that big of a deal you know but it really is a huge huge concern that i hope everyone takes into consideration to see what massive industrial fisheries do to our world and our oceans and what plastic does to our world and oceans that affect these salmons. And, and for those that love the discovery channel, when you watch, you know, your deadliest catch this year, you're going to find out that there was no King salmon or King crab fishery this year either because of the, the warming that's taking place in the, in the Pacific Northwest and the Pacific North. So read this article. It's, it's very extensive. It's a lot of information being done on it. Um, And whenever you get a chance, eat wild Alaskan salmon, there's nothing better for you. (laughs) <laughs> and well, it's a great sustainable um, protein.
0: Yeah, I, I really appreciate, Chris, you sharing this article with me in advance. There were so many facts I found relevant to the the why behind why I care about imploring people to take the climate emergency seriously and why your small actions can add up when you think about how everything is connected in a larger ecosystem Um, it was just one thing after another impacting the food web. It, it blew my mind. So we'll make sure to include the article link in the podcast profile so everyone can have access to it. It was just, it was this super valid example of why people need to be thinking about their choices, Um, Okay. So last question, Chris, what is your number one eco tip, your go-to save the planet habit that you adopted yourself and realized how easy it was to make this change in your own lifestyle. And now you think, gosh, this is something like anybody, everybody could have incorporated this into their daily routine. It's a no brainer.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I touched on it earlier. Buy yourself a wonderful stainless steel water bottle and go online and find out about how wonderful your municipal water system is and stop buying bottled water. It is horrible to the environment. You're getting ripped off because all of these nas- international conglomerates are selling you municipal water in a bottle. Go check it out. Do some research. You'll be shocked. It is,
0: it, it's amazing. It's astounding. And I'm, I'm so happy that you shared that with everybody, thank you.
1: Yeah, anytime. <laughs> <laughs> anytime, <laughs>
0: anytime. Uh, well, Chris, this has been so much fun, and getting to kind of take you out of the business silo and hear the more personal, fun things, but also really getting to do that deep dive into dry cleaning because it it is bigger than just one person. But we are all connected as we make these individual choices. I really I appreciate it, and I think. Everyone can, of course, go and do their own homework. But when Rejoice officially launches, we will, of course, be providing all of this um, on our website, um, in our social media. And I want people to, when they're listening to the podcast, of course, have access. So Chris, please, will you share with everybody what the website address is?
1: Yep. It's very simple. It's www.americasbestcleaners.com.
0: And that link will obviously be in our Spotify podcast episode, right along with the article link to the, the salmon journey deep into the Pacific. We'll include that for you. That journey, um, along with this journey, um, has been so fascinating. Chris White from America's Best Cleaners, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: It was and- great, you. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course, always. And a, r- a reminder for everyone, while we're working so diligently and preparing for the Rejoice Platform's official go-live launch date, we invite you to follow us on Instagram at RejoiceTogether and visit our website, R-I-J-O-I-S dot com for the latest company news, job openings, and internship opportunities, as well as to sign up to participate in our marketplace beta test. Thanks, everyone. And remember, let's rejoice together. It's what makes the world go round. Cheers, everyone.